Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the John Campia Podcast here on my YouTube channel. My name is, of course, John Campia, and I'm back from Comic-Con. Uh, it was a grueling, uh, tiring, exhausting experience, but it was a great time. Had a really good time in San Diego, as you know, as we do every year. We have a really good time when we go out there, and got to do a lot of very cool things, see a lot of very cool things. The Probably the highlight for me, though, was the very first day at Comic-Con. Well, the first official day. We got there on Tuesday. Uh, Comic-Con got kicked off on the Wednesday. But the coolest thing I got to do was uh, got to hang out with the cast of Star Trek Beyond. Uh, so we met them at their hotel before. It was really cool because, as many of you know, Star Trek Beyond had their like North American premiere of the movie at Comic-Con on a giant outdoor IMAX screen. And what we arranged was for us to get together with Carl Urban, uh, Simon Pegg, who also wrote the film, and uh, John Cho, who of course plays Sulu. We got to get together with them at the hotel prior to them going to the premiere and hang out with them there. And we were, we filmed it. It's up on Comic Con HQ. You can go check that out there. That was a, a lot of fun. And the you know had a party or two. Uh, got to spend a lot of time at the Comic Con HQ stage. It was it was a really it was a real blast. And I got to meet a lot of you guys. I must have taken over four hundred pictures uh, while I was there, just from. Uh, so many of you guys who were there at Comic-Con coming up to us. You're so gracious and so kind. Thank you so much for all that. It was a real damn good time. Um, so listen, I uh, on this podcast today, and this is, of course, episode number 34 for Wednesday, July the 27th, 2016. On this episode of the podcast, uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of things. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the Comic-Con trailers. We're going to talk about Charlie Hunnam and uh, Pacific Rim 2, or lack thereof. We're going to talk about uh, Suicide Squad director David Ayer talking about the Joker and some of the Joker theories. We're going to take your questions and all that kind of stuff. So we got a lot to do, but man, let me... It, this just irritates me. This just irritates me, all right? Um, so yesterday on my YouTube channel, I put up a little video ranking the the four superhero trailers that dropped. Now, I didn't include Lego Batman because that's, that's not really in the same category. But So I was ranking um, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Justice League, and Doctor Strange. Those four trailers I was ranking. And I liked them all. I thought they were all good. And I ended up putting, to a lot of people's surprise, I ended up putting Wonder Woman number one. I, I put, I think that Wonder Woman, as far as what did the trailer do? I'm not saying Wonder Woman is the most my most anticipated movie out of the four. I'm not saying Wonder Woman is going to be the best movie out of the four. But when you look at what the job of a trailer is, and the job of a trailer is to take your excitement level from here or wherever here is of your movie and get it up to here. That's what the job of a trailer is. And I say, if you purely look at that, I believe that the Wonder Woman trailer made the biggest impact. It made the, the biggest move between here and here. Like Suicide Squad might take you from here to here. Uh, the Justice League may take you from here to here. Doctor Strange may have taken you from here to here. But for me, Wonder Woman made a, a really big jump. So I made it my number one thing. Now, and here's where it gets into my, my pet peeve, my irritation. I one of the criticisms I gave of the tree, even though I said it was the best one, I put it at number one, and I said part of the reason is Gal Gadot because you know she's part of that trailer. I still said though that watching her deliver her lines to me, and you know I've had this concern for a long time because she does not have an acting background. She does not come from acting. She comes from other careers, whether it's modeling or other things. Like everybody else in Israel before a certain age, she had to serve two years in the military as well, which is awesome. But 
you know, I, I, I said I, for a long time, I said my biggest concern is whether Gal Gadot, as somebody without acting pedigree, without an acting background, without acting training, whether she could carry this film. I thought she was a little... I didn't think she did terrible in Batman v Superman, and I was afraid she would do terrible in Batman v Superman. I don't think she did terrible, but I also didn't think she added anything to it. Uh, I thought the character was good. I thought the character was well-written. I thought what the directors and the writers had the character do was good. But when she would deliver her lines, I didn't find a lot of depth. I mean, she was better than I would have been, but I'm not exactly the standard of excellence, am I, when it comes to acting? Um, So whatever, but that's just my opinion. That's all it is, just my opinion. So when I was talking about the Comic-Con trailers, I mentioned, you know, my one concern is that when I hear her say her lines... They come across as a little soulless to me. They come across as a little flat, you know, and a little, there's not a lot of depth to the way she says her lines. You know, if you look at the Justice League trailer, Ben Affleck, who didn't have a lot of lines, but when he's talking, even when he's talking about there's a guy who comes in the winter, comes on the king's tie, like there's, there's depth to the way he says it. If you look at other actresses in this business, I mean, you look at the way, you know, Catwoman was portrayed in the last Christopher Nolan movie depth to all the lines like she really brought a life to selena kyle in that and i said my concern right now is i'm not hearing that depth i'm hearing an actress reciting lines but she wasn't terrible in it and the trailer was really good so for now let's give her the benefit of the doubt and let's see how it turns out but here's where my pet peeve comes okay and i thought that was a very fair assessment i thought it was very balanced whether you agree or disagree with it um, it's not like I came out and said, oh, I hate Gal Gadot, therefore Wonder Woman worse. No, I, I ranked the Wonder Woman trailer as number one. I said Gal Gadot's part of that reason, but my concerns are still remaining. So that's just my opinion. And here's one of my biggest pet peeves. And I, I might have talked about this a couple of weeks ago. What drives me nuts in, in the – and there's a number of things that drive us all nuts in the fan community, right? Of course there are. We love the fan community, but – you know, you love your brother, but there are things about your brother that drives you nuts. Does not take away from the fact that you love your brother. But and I love the fan community. But one of the things that the fan community sometimes does, and a lot of us are guilty of this sometimes, is when you make excuses for why somebody else doesn't share your opinion. When you make excuses for why somebody else doesn't share your opinion. All right, and. You know, I would have some yahoos on my Twitter saying, John, 99% of the people out there think Gal Gadot's great. No, 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 no. Maybe in the circles you travel in, but 90, I, can, I can most assuredly guarantee you 99% of the people out there don't necessarily think Gal Gadot's a great actress. But, but here's the thing. What I would get people saying, I got some people getting on Twitter, and this is the best part about fandom, saying, well, John, I, I disagree. I disagree. I actually thought I felt like some people would say to me, I did find some depth in what in Gal Gadot's delivering her lines. And granted, these are there's only like four lines in the trailer that she says. This is hardly a sample size to pass any sort of a judgment on Gal Gadot, negatively or positively. And I said, ah, this is just a concern of mine, but she did fine and the movie's fine. What drives me crazy though is when I get some brain dead idiot send me on Twitter go who cannot handle the fact that probably one of the blind corporate DC slaves, and you know what I think about blind corporate DC slaves and blind corporate Marvel slaves, but probably one of the blind corporate DC slaves who said, John, you're, you're just saying that because you've been against her from the beginning. So you're making an excuse. So instead of saying, 
John, you thought that because you watched the video and you have a concern about it and you have a different opinion than me. Wow, let's explore that. No, 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 no. What you do is you make an excuse and say, oh, you only have that opinion because of insert excuse here. You only have that opinion because you're from Barbados. I'm not from Barbados. You only have that opinion. You only think that because you wanted Superman to be a Boy Scout. No, you only have that opinion because you wanted Robert De Niro in the role. You only, like, when, whenever somebody starts, here's how you know to tune somebody out right away and because you know they're just an idiot. When somebody starts, when you're having a discussion and a difference of opinion comes up and the other person starts their sentence with, you only think that because, right there, shut them off. That is the clearest indication that they are a brain-dead idiot. Because the moment somebody starts searching for excuses about why somebody else could possibly have a different opinion than them, you just just tune them out. Because honestly, nothing that's going to come out of their mouths is worth listening to at all. And so I had a number of people jumping on, even though I said some very, very positive things, I had a number of people jumping on Twitter saying, John, you only say that because you were concerned about her before. So you're just refusing to let it go. Oh, so you're coming up with, no, or, or I just watched the trailer and I thought, I'm not seeing a lot of depth in those lines. Now, remember, I think, let's go back to Channing Tatum. For example, for those of you who, maybe if you haven't been watching me long enough, you won't know this. For those who've been watching me for a long time, like all the way back to the movie blog days, okay? That far, like pre-AMC, all the way back to the movie blog days. For those who've been following me for a really long time, you'll remember, I thought the worst actor getting work, the worst actor consistently getting work in Hollywood for a long time was Channing Tatum. I thought the guy was dreadful, like just flat up awful. I thought he was terrible. Um, and like every time he would pop up in something, I like, oh my, and then he did that movie, I think it was called fighting. Um, and it's like, oh my God, this dude, like he's awful. He's wooden and he's flat and he's terrible and blah, 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 blah. But now fast forward 10 years, eight years to today. And when I hear Channing Tatum now is coming out in a movie, I actually get intrigued because I think over years, and dedicated hard work. Look up Channing Tatum, what he's done over the past 10 years to improve as an actor. Just go look it up. You'll see what I'm talking about. The work he put in, the dedication he gave to the art paid off. It took years and years and years and years, but it paid off. Now, if I wanted to be somebody who just like would never change my position, I would still to this day say, no, Channing Tatum sucks, but he doesn't suck anymore. He's actually pretty good now. Especially in comedy. I really like Channing Tatum in comedy. And I find he's actually getting really quite a lot better in his dramatic roles too. And now when Channing Tatum's in a movie, I look forward to that movie. And I look forward to doing that with Gal Gadot. I, I don't think there is any reason in the world while, why Gal Gadot as an actress cannot get to the point that Channing Tatum is at. I don't think there's any reason in the world that she couldn't do that. I simply saying, from my point of view, she ain't there yet. That's not to say she's stupid and she'll never do it. She'd never, she'll never be a good act. No, no, no. I'm not saying that at all. I'm simply saying that much like Channing Tatum, when he got rolling and had no acting background, that was not his background. He had backgrounds in other things. 
and they decided to make him a movie star, that there were a lot of movies that came and went where he was pretty dreadful. Huh? Huh? Fair to say that he was pretty dreadful in a lot of those early films. But that with dedication and time, he actually got to be pretty good. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's going to be pretty good. Not at all. But there is absolutely no reason why Gal Gadot, a couple years from now, can't be of that same caliber. With the years of dedication and training and a passion for the art, I don't believe there's any reason why Gal Gadot can't be that as well. I'm simply saying that when I look at her performances right now, I, I don't see it. And it just drives me crazy. And I don't mind if other people, if there are some people who have a different opinion of me than that. Like I, I've had a lot of discussions on Facebook and, and on YouTube and on Twitter of saying, but John, I, I mean, I think I, I disagree with you because I see this in Gal Gadot and I see this in Gal Gadot and I see this in Gal Gadot. And those are all valuable, valid opinions to have. And we can have a discussion it there. But the moment any brain dead moron starts with, you just think that because tune that idiot out. Just tune the moron out. Because nothing constructive, nothing worth having a dialogue about, nothing fun is going to come out of their mouths and they're not going to add to the discussion in any way, shape, or form because they're stupid. So anyway, that was my little rant for the day. My little pet peeve for the day is the people, and we see this all the time. We see it all the time. People who make excuses for other people having different opinions. Doesn't matter whether it's regarding Superman and, and Batman v Superman. Doesn't matter if it's about Avatar. Doesn't matter if it's about whatever. The moment people make excuses for why you have a different opinion, tune that person out. Block them on your Twitter. Tell if they're a part of your family, cut them off. No more Christmas cards for them. Uh, okay, I might be going too far with that, but um, but you know what I'm saying. As soon as I'm telling you, as soon as you're in any film discussion and you give an opinion and then somebody offers up, you just think that because you know an excuse is coming, shut that person down. All right. Well, okay. I spent enough time on that. Let's move on to something a little bit more fun, shall we? Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is more fun. Now, I did a video yesterday on my YouTube channel. Go to my channel, look it up. It's called Ranking the Comic-Con Superhero Trailers. So uh, it's a, like a f- short five, six-minute video. Go check that out where I rank the, the Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, uh, Justice League, and Doctor Strange trailers. So you can go find that there. But there were a few other trailers, really cool trailers, that dropped at Comic-Con. I just want to touch on some of those really quickly. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is the first trailer for Kong, Skull Island. And I did not even know they were going to drop a trailer for Kong at this thing. And I loved it. I thought it was great. Now, remember, this is the first teaser trailer for Kong. This movie's still a long ways away. It was the first teaser trailer. Okay. And because I heard some people give some, some understandable criticisms about saying, oh, you barely got to see King Kong. You didn't really get an idea about really what he looks like. You got a little bit of idea of how big he is, but that's about it and blah, blah. I get it. That's all true. That was all 100% true. But I'm just saying that, just keep in mind, I think they showed exactly what they should have showed in a very first initial, the movie's still about a year away, teaser trailer, right? And I think the biggest thing they did, pardon the pun, the biggest thing they did was they gave us a sense of First of all, what the tone is going to be. This is, I got a sense from this trailer. It's its a borderline horror movie. It's not a horror movie. I'm never going to, I don't think I'm going to put this under the genre of horror. No, no, no. But it, it gets, it inches close to that border where you might even consider it a something slash horror movie a little bit. That's the tone it kind of had to me. Very intense. But the major thing that they did 
was they gave us a sense of just how big King Kong is going to be in this movie. This is by far, I mean, they said this in advance. We knew this was coming. This was by far going to be the biggest King Kong we've ever had, like physically large size. And we knew that they had to do something because remember about six months ago, I think it was, they announced that they were going to have a Godzilla versus King Kong movie in like 2019 or something like that. 2019, 2020, something along this. They're building towards a Godzilla versus King Kong. But if you watch the last Godzilla movie, that Godzilla's freaking huge and King Kong would literally come up to about his waist. Maybe his knee. The traditional King Kong would have maybe come up to Godzilla's knee. So we knew they were going to have to upscale King Kong a bit. And they did. And I thought the trailer was very effective. I caught that little bit of sense of awe and wonder, a little bit of apocalypse now in there. I caught that sense of wonder that I think the filmmakers wanted us to have when we first behold Kong. And granted, we didn't get a lot of detail. We didn't see a lot of him. We, didn't, we don't really get a full picture of what he looks like. But I think we saw enough for a first teaser. So that one really impressed me. Uh, another one that came out that I thought was quite good was The Woods, which, you know, one of the biggest fast ones that they pulled on us at Comic-Con. It was brilliant the way uh, Lionsgate pulled this off. And full disclosure, I, I work with Lionsgate. Uh, so take, take what I'm about to say with the, that grain of salt. I'm still being honest with you, but full disclosure, I get a paycheck from Lionsgate because uh, I work with them. But so I want you to be aware of that when I say this, that I, and I didn't know. I freaking work with Lionsgate. And I did not know that this movie they've been promoting and talking about that's opening in September, just two months away, called The Woods, is actually The Blair Witch 3. And they pulled that, and they made the reveal, and the trailer is is pretty damn good. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I like a good horror movie as much as anybody else. But, like, I'm not a massive horror guy. Like, I don't get super excited just because a movie's coming out that's a horror. Like, I'm not like um, a Clark Wolf or something like that who, who really loves and is passionate about the genre. But I like a good horror movie, nonetheless. And I, I got to tell you, I thought the trailer for The New Blair Witch was pretty damn good. And you know what? It was brilliant the way they revealed this. Because if you had just announced a year ago, we're making Blair Witch 3, I think a lot of people might have rolled their eyes at it. I think a lot of people would not have been excited. I think a lot of people would have maybe even made fun of it. But because they took the approach they did by calling it something else, not letting people know it was actually a Blair Witch movie, and then revealing it at Comic-Con two months before the movie comes out, now everybody's buzzing. I think it was just a brilliant, brilliant move. I thought it was very smart on their part to do it that way. Uh, another one got talked about, we're going to talk about Charlie Hunnam here in a little bit, but we'll talk about him right now too. The first Guy Ritchie uh, King Arthur trailer came out. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not going to be the traditional King Arthur movie. I kind of thought, pardon me, that Guy Ritchie, and I don't know why I ever thought this, but that Guy Ritchie was going to give us a traditional look at a King Arthur uh, story, a King Arthur tale. Nope. This is so definitively a Guy Ritchie film. The guy who gave us Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. The guy who gave us Snatch. The guy who gave us Rock and Rolla. This is clearly a King Arthur movie directed by that guy in his style. And we see one of his favorites, Jude Law. Of course, Jude Law worked with Guy Ritchie in the Sherlock Holmes films. I could have swore, I didn't look it up, but I could have swore I heard Mark Strong's voice in there, which would be part and parcel because Guy Ritchie has worked with Mark Strong before. And Charlie Hunnam in there. It was cool seeing Jaimon Hansu in there as well. Um, I, 
it look it looks really intriguing. Like I don't know if the trailer was awesome or not. I don't know. I think I got to mull that over for a while. But it was so different from what I was expecting, and such a different take on the Arthur uh, Arthur uh, legend that I, I was taken with it. Like I was really intrigued by the trailer just because it did all that kind of stuff. If you haven't seen the new Arthur trailer, look it up. It's 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 just so different. It's just so radically different than what we were expecting. The last one I want to talk about here for a second, there were many other trailers that dropped. But the last one I want to talk about here for a second is the um, Lego Batman trailer. Lego Batman trailer, look, we are, if you watch Comic-Con HQ, you, we've talked about the Lego Batman uh, movie coming out. Very excited for it. I think all the trailers and teaser spots have been wonderful and funny and hilarious. Maybe the funniest out of all of them. I liked the trailer they dropped at Comic-Con. I did not love the trailer they dropped at Comic-Con, though. I I mean, I I thought it was the least funny out of all the material they've put out for this Lego Batman movie so far. And, you know, I've been very excited about this Lego Batman. I think all the other stuff looks great. Look, this trailer did not diminish my excitement to see Lego Batman. But I will say that I did not laugh nearly as much in this particular trailer, as I have in all the other spots they've done. Still super looking forward to it. I just thought maybe they misfired with their Comic-Con trailer, their newest trailer. I think they misfired a little bit uh, on that. So anyway, those are some of my thoughts on some of the other big trailers that dropped at Comic-Con. Jump in the comments section. Let me know what you guys think. All right, that brings us to this next topic here, which is, I alluded to this a little bit earlier, We're talking about Charlie Hunnam, the new King Arthur. Charlie Hunnam, of course, is in one of my all-time, my, in my top five favorite uh, television shows of all time, Sons of Anarchy. Um, I, you know, Sons might be in my top three of all time. Like, my number one all-time favorite show was the most recent, the, the Ronald Moore uh, Battlestar Galactica. That is my all-time favorite television show. I think number two is Spartacus. And if you haven't watched Spartacus, go watch it. But I'm going to warn you in advance, you've got to get through the first three episodes because the first three episodes of Spartacus are some of the worst television ever produced. Like it's, it's not just not good. It's not just it takes a while to get rolling. No, the first three episodes, maybe first two and a half episodes of Spartacus is some of the worst television you're ever going to watch. It's terrible. And the only reason I pushed through and kept watching was because a friend of mine, by the name of Aaron Cummings. A friend of mine, Aaron, she is in Spartacus and she plays Spartacus's wife. And Aaron was actually in my movie that I did uh, a lot of years ago. And we're friends. And the only reason I pushed through those first two, two and a half, three terrible episodes of television was because Aaron was in it. But I'm so glad I did because it ended up being, it turned it around around episode three, episode four, and became my number two all-time favorite television show ever made. Sons of Anarchy might be number three, might three, four or five. It's in the top five there, but there's an argument to me that the Sons of Anarchy might be my number three favorite. But anyway, Charlie Hunnam was in that. So then he comes out and he's in uh, Pacific Rim, the Guillermo del Toro movie a few years ago. And while I really enjoyed Pacific Rim and I am a big fan of Charlie Hunnam, he wasn't that good in the movie. I mean, let's just, let's just look, I'm a fan of his, I'm a big fan of the movie, but let's, and I'm a big fan of the work he did in, you know, one of my favorite shows of all time, but let's just be honest and call a spade a spade. 
I did not think that he was very good in Pacific Rim. Um, so it wasn't a lot of surprise, especially after a few weeks ago, they announced that John Boyega, Finn from the new Star Wars movies, that John Boyega was going to be playing in the new Pacific Rim. It doesn't come as a big surprise now that Charlie Hun- Hunnam has come out and confirmed and announced that he is not going to be a part of Pacific Rim 2. So, and you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because it looks like from the Comic-Con trailers that Charlie Hunnam has found the place he should be in this new King Arthur movie Um, and not in Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim was not a good fit for him. I was excited to see him in it, but he wasn't that good. And so I think it's probably wise for the movie that he's out. I think it's probably wise for him personally that he's out and pursuing other roles that'll be a better fit for him. Because if you've seen Sons of Anarchy, you know he can bring an intensity. You know he can bring a passion. You know he can bring a lot of emotional layers to a character. But it's got to be the right character for him to do it with. Jax Teller in Sons of Anarchy was such a role. Pacific Rim wasn't. So I, I don't think that's that bad of a thing that he's not going to be in there. All right, let's move on to the next topic before we get to some of your email questions that you guys have sent in to me. Look, the new Suicide Squad is coming out. We know Jared Leto is the new Joker. There were a lot of theories going around, especially around this one theory, that the Joker, played by Leto, may not be the original Joker, and that maybe this Joker was actually originally Jason Todd. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Batman lore, Jason Todd was actually, I believe, the second... If you look at the succession of the prime Robins, you start with Dick Grayson, then you go to Jason Todd, okay? Um, Dick Grayson went on to become Nightwing. Jason Todd became the second Robin, if you go in the prime Robin timeline. So Jason Todd, but he was he was a little bit of trouble. He was kind of violent, whatever. And in the, in the comic books, he eventually gets captured by the Joker and beaten to death with a crowbar and then blown up. Yes, beaten to death with a crowbar and then blown up. Well, I should say beaten three quarters to death and then the Joker finished him off with a bomb. Um, so there's a theory. And then in the comic books, Jason Todd comes back in different incarnations and in different ways, whether you're looking at the animated series, comic books, whatever. But So there's been this theory out there that was not a ridiculous theory. I didn't believe it myself, but it was not a ridiculous theory to believe. Because some people put a pretty some pretty compelling arguments together that Jared Leto's Joker is actually Jason Todd somebody who was a partner of Batman. Because remember Batman versus Superman, Bruce Wayne says that line to Alfred, like, how many good guys are left? How many stayed that way? So a lot of people think, ah, Ben, or Bruce, we should say, is talking about Jason Todd, who was a good guy as Robin, and then, uh, then came back as Joker. So there's been this, and it has not gone away. That theory has not gone away. However... Suicide Squad directed, director David Ayer was being interviewed recently, and that, kind, that theory came up, and David Ayer said this. He said, that the Joker is Jason Todd, it ain't the case. He's not. So uh, David Ayer apparently has just come out and in one sentence put a big boot down uh, to dispel the Jason Todd is the Joker and the Joker was Jason Todd rumors that are out there. Again, this is David Ayer's direct comment that the Joker is Jason Todd. It ain't the case. He's not. So I think that's pretty definitive. Now, there are some people out there, understandably so, who will say, yeah, well, 
you know, J.J. Abrams said that Benedict Cumberbatch wasn't con, and it turns out he was con. Yeah, that's true. But and and look, studios will try to misdirect all the time. Directors will try to misdirect all the time. That's not uncommon. But David Ayer isn't J.J. Abrams. I mean, J.J. Abrams mislead trying to give misdirects about his movies. That's standard operating procedure for for J.J. Abrams. It's not for David Ayer. And I don't believe you come out and this definitively say, especially David Ayer, I don't think David Ayer comes out and this definitively says, nope, that's not the case, if it was the case. And, and so I believe him. I think he's totally telling the truth. And I believe he just put one big boot down. So whatever the background is going to be of this particular Joker with Jared Leto, I think it's safe to say right now that he wasn't Jason Todd. Now, that's not to say he wasn't Dick Grayson. That's not to say he wasn't Damian Wayne. That's not to say he wasn't Tim. That's not to say he wasn't, you know, whoever else you want to bring into the conversation. But we can at least put to rest the idea that the Joker was Jason Todd. All right, guys, uh, it's time for us to take some of your questions via email. As you know, I love it when you guys send me in questions. And this is how you can send me a question or a topic for the John Campia podcast. Simply email me at, it's simple as can be, the John Campia podcast at gmail.com. Yes, it is a long email address, but I'm pretty sure you can remember it. It's the John Campia podcast at gmail.com. Send on in your emails and maybe you'll see your question or topic brought up on the show. All right, let's get to it right now. The first question comes to us from Raimundo, who writes, After Comic-Con and Star Wars Celebration, I have been hearing many stories of people waiting over seven hours and still not get in to see certain panels. That is a really long time where you could be doing something else and enjoy the rest of the convention. Personally, I find this to be one of the biggest reasons to separate the cons. I get the allure that everything is in one place, but is it worth it if all you get to see is one thing all day? Well, thanks a lot for the question, uh, Raymundo. And it is a big issue. It is a big topic about it's particularly coming out of Comic-Con. I'm going to say this. Let me defer on your question until tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm going to put up a video called um, The Three Reasons to Move Comic-Con to Vegas. The three reasons to move Comic-Con to Vegas. That is going to be a video I'm going to put up tomorrow and I'm going to address one of the big issues I'm going to be addressing is this very specific thing that you're bringing up here. The, the massive amount of long lines. Some people staying standing in line for seven, eight hours and it's still not being early enough to actually get into the thing they wanted to see. Um, Comic-Con, I'll give you a little teaser. Here's the thing about Comic-Con. Everything has problems. Everything has problems. It doesn't matter whether it's a sports team, a bakery, uh, a, a, a convention, whatever. Everything has problems. The question is, what kind of problems do you have? There are two kinds of problems. The first kind of problem are problems that come along as a result of you doing things wrong. Okay? So there are problems that are a result of you doing things wrong. The other types of problems are the problems you get as a result of doing things right. Like, for instance, the Toronto Maple Leafs for a long time... Uh, they know how to build their their fan base and their marketing, even though the team's terrible. And they ran into the problem of, we don't have enough seats for all of our fans. That's a good problem. That's a problem that comes as a result of doing your job right. If you're into public relations and you're into the building the Toronto Maple Leafs to be a f part of the fabric of your culture and community, then if you do your job really well, then one of the problems that will come is, hey, we don't have enough seats. Or if you are somebody, let's say you run a muffin shop and everybody loves your muffins and now you're running out of muffins to sell at 11 o'clock in the morning. That is a type of problem that comes as a result of you doing your job great. 
And you want the type of problems that come as a result of you doing your job really well, as opposed to the problems that come as a result of you not doing your job well. The problems that Comic-Con face are all problems as a result of Comic-Con being so good. And the, the, the problems that Comic-Con face are all a direct result of Comic-Con and the people behind Comic-Con doing their job so well. But doing your jobs well still bring problems. They're different problems than doing your job badly problems. And those are worse problems. But these are types of problems that some people say, well, these are good problems to have. Yes, they're good problems to have, but they're still issues that you need to address. Because you can't be running out of muffins at 11 a.m. And you can't be running out of seats to sell to your NHL hockey games. So there's still problems to address. So in tomorrow's video, uh, three reasons to move uh, Comic-Con to, to Vegas, I'm going to be addressing that. So please come back tomorrow. If you haven't already, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Keep your eye open for it, and that video will go up tomorrow. Uh, all right. Thanks a lot for crushing Raymundo, and hopefully you'll get to actually in more in full hear an answer tomorrow. The next question comes to us from James, and James writes, I know you are a huge fan of the TV Flash. Yes, I am, which I am as well. It's my favorite comic book TV show. Mine too. My question is, do you think Flash, uh, the Flash is, is becoming over-reliant on speedster villains? And do you think it could put casual fans off watching the show because it's the same formula? Look, um, yeah, everybody knows I love The Flash. It is my favorite comic book hero show on TV. It depends on the day you ask me. Some days it'll be Daredevil. Some days it'll be The Flash. I think they're both brilliant, but they're two very, very different shows. Like, they are apples and oranges, man. They are totally different TV shows, and I love them both. But when we were on Heroes, as many of you know, if you're not watching, you should be watching Collider Heroes. I do that with John Schnepp and Robert Meyer Burnett. Um, we talked a little bit about all the new villains coming out this season, and they're all speedsters. Like, every one of them are speedsters. Whether it's Reverse Flash or Zoom or this Flash, now Kid Flash and Fast Girl and Speedy Girl and this girl and that girl person and everybody's a speed and i made a, an oprah joke you get to be a speedster and you get to be a speedster and you get to be a speed everybody's a freaking speedster like i get it that hey you got a tv show called the flash make the flash's prime villain a guy who is a, a a mere reflection of the flash hence they had the reverse flash but it seems now like they've had no less than seven speedster characters they're all speedsters and, and they all have the same bodysuit, just a different color, bodysuit with a lightning bolt on it. I, I mean, I get it that those were characters from the comic books. I get that. But it is frustrating as a fan of the show who is a massive fan of the show. It does get frustrated. It's beginning to feel very formulaic to me. Um, and it does concern me. Now, whether that's going to affect the casual fan or not, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um you know, all the problems are solved just by keeping making the show good. If they continue to make the show good, that won't be an issue. But I do wish, I wish, I wish they would break away from this. Everybody's got to be a speedster in the flash. I, I would love to like, what about mirror master? You know, what about gorilla Grodd? Like you've touched on gorilla Grodd a couple times, but he's still out there. I mean, that's more interesting to me. Like everything's a speedster. So every time it comes down to, okay, now you got the flash Barry Allen insert speedster X. Barry doubts himself because I need to get faster. That speedster is faster than me. I can't beat him. It's the same thing. We went through that exact same thing with reverse flash. We went through it with zoom. And now I'm sure we're about to go through it again. 
And it's, it is kind of frustrating, but I love the show. I love the show. I just wish that they would personally, I wish they would, you know, remedy that a little bit. All right. Two more questions. This one comes from, uh, Fayaz Amit who writes, hope you had a great comic con. I did. Thank you very much. I thought that all the trailers were released uh, that were released at Comic-Con by Marvel and DC were great, with the highlights being the Wonder Woman, Doctor Strange, and my favorite being Justice League footage, and the first group photo of the Justice League together. But being in the midst of it yourself, which studio do you feel had the most buzz going? In other words, who do you feel won Comic-Con? That's the question, right? Every time we come back from Comic-Con, the question is who won Comic-Con? And look... Um, into the, or, um, the woods, AKA the Blair Witch three going into Saturday, oddly enough, Blair Witch three, won comic con going into Saturday. Uh, cause I believe they made that revelation on the Friday night uh, about, and it got, they got so much buzz, but then Saturday came with the big DC panel and the big Marvel panels. And Marvel showed some Guardians of the Galaxy, um, and they dropped a new Doctor Strange, and they showed some Spider-Man Homecoming. They got everybody talking. But I got to say, man, DC won Comic-Con. Because you dropped a new Suicide Squad trailer, which was good. It was real good. It wasn't spectacular, but it was good, real good. But then you drop that Justice League trailer, they got everybody talking, and then you drop what I thought was the best trailer at Comic-Con, which was the Wonder Woman trailer. Um, you put all that together, and you add that with the fans. Look, we talked about Batman versus Superman a lot. Like, the same step and repeat. I liked it. I know most people didn't. Okay, we understand that. But I think a lot of people who were disappointed in Batman versus Superman are still people who wanted to love Batman versus Superman. I think a lot of the people who were disappointed in Batman versus Superman were people who deep down wanted to love it. And I think that brought with them, they brought an expectation. They brought, those people brought a hope to Comic-Con. Or those of us who, those people who didn't go to Comic-Con, they were waiting by their computers with a hope, with an expectation that please show us something really good. And not only did they deliver something really good, but it met the hopes of those people who were holding out hope. Now, yes, um, the trailers for Batman versus Superman were amazing, and yet a lot of people were disappointed. We understand all of that. But the trailers were great, and it changed the conversation, and it got people buzzing, and that's what these trailers were meant to do. That's what Comic-Con is meant to do. And because of that, uh, as one of the judges at ringside, I score it you know, in a MMA UFC championship bout. I score it four rounds to one. I give it, I say the winner of Comic-Con was DC. I think DC was the winner of Comic-Con. That's not to say Marvel didn't show some amazing things. They did, and I'm super stoked for uh, Doctor Strange. I called Doctor Strange trailer my number two favorite trailer uh, that made the biggest impact, but I, I think DC won it. Um, anyway, all right, last question of the day. Talking about MMA and UFC, this question comes from Joe, and Joe writes, hey, here's a non-San Diego Comic-Con question. In their prime, boxer versus mixed martial artist, Mike Tyson versus Brock Lesnar. I'll go with Mike Tyson. My thought being Brock is too ground-based. What do you think? All right. This is a question that comes up a lot. Um, like, great boxer versus uh, great mixed martial artist. Both in their primes. Look, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's no contest. It's no contest. If it is a boxing match, it's no contest. 
You put Mike Tyson in his prime, in the ring with Brock Lesnar in his prime, in a boxing match, and you put on gloves on both of them, that fight maybe lasts 30 seconds. Maybe lasts 30 seconds. Mike Tyson will destroy Brock Lesnar. However, put them in a cage and make it a mixed martial arts fight and anything goes fight, it is no contest the other way. Mike Tyson won't last 30 seconds. I remember, like, and this this was really well illustrated a while ago, like Randy the Natural Couture, uh, who was a UFC champion, uh, fought a boxing champion, uh, Tunney, I think it was, I can't remember who it was, and, you know, all the boxing world was like, Tunney's going to land that one shot and Randy's going to go down, but that's not how it works. The moment Randy got one little grip on just, just touched him, the moment Randy Couture, the mixed martial artist, touched him, that fight was over. Because he took the, he, he dragged the boxer into deep water and drowned him. That's what that's what would happen. So, uh, it's a very difficult conversation to have boxer versus MMA guy because either way it's no contest. If it's a boxing match, no contest. The boxer will destroy him. The boxer will destroy him. Conor McGregor is one of the greatest combat athletes in the world. But when they were talking about Conor, and he's a very good boxer, but when you start talking about Conor McGregor. Having a fight against Floyd Mayweather, a boxing match against Floyd Mayweather? Please, that would be a joke. Mayweather would destroy him. However, go the other way, put into a cage. And I'm going to tell you this right now. A lot of people think it's funny. It's a joke, but it's not a joke. This is true. You put Floyd Mayweather in an MMA cage against female fighter Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey will kill him. Like, I'm, I'm not saying defeat him. I mean straight up murder him. She would kill him. And anybody who doesn't see that simply does not understand combat sports. Now, you put them in, like I said, put, a, put them in a boxing ring. Floyd Mayweather beats any mixed martial, mixed martial artist in history. But put them in a mixed martial arts ring. Uh, Conor McGregor beats any boxer in history. Beats any boxer in history. So it's no contest either way. In a boxing ring, it's no contest for the boxer. In an MMA ring, it's no contest for the MMA guy. So that's just kind of the way uh, I see it. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for me for this installment of the John Campia podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Listen, don't forget, subscribe to this YouTube channel. Leave, if you're listening to this audio-only podcast, do me a favor. Stop what you're doing. Open up iTunes, even if you don't use iTunes normally. Just find the John Campia podcast in iTunes and leave a rating and leave a comment. That helps out the audio podcast uh, a great deal. Make sure you subscribe to my network, ComicCon HQ. Go to www.comic-conhq.com. Sign up for ComicCon HQ. We've got a whole bunch of great shows on there, including mine and John Schnepp's show, Film HQ, which is like our movie magazine show. It's a radically, radically different... A lot of people ask me, John, what's the difference between like Film HQ and like Movie Talk? Movie Talk is a straight pundit discussion show. Film HQ is a radically different show. It's, it's more like a movie magazine show with, a, with segments. And like you'll have to go see the show. You'll see what I understand. It's a very, very different show. So I love that show that we're doing. So make sure you go and check that out there. Make sure you check out my other shows that I do on Collider as well. I do Jedi Council on Thursdays. I do Heroes with John Schnepp on Wednesdays. So check those shows out as well. And make sure you're following me on social media right here. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and on YouTube. Follow me at all those places by simply following me at John Campia. And uh, because I do a lot of tweeting 
I do a lot of Facebooking, so make sure you're following my posts on those two things to keep up to date with everything going on with me. And again, send in your email questions to me at the John Campia Podcast at gmail.com. So that'll do it for this installment. Come back tomorrow for my special video on why they need to move Comic-Con to Vegas. And my next episode of my podcast will, of course, be Saturday. So thanks a lot for joining me, guys. My name's John Campion. Until next time, bye-bye.